Hey, everybody. We are in the second Sunday of coronavirus lockdown, and we had a really sweet time this morning gathering over Zoom. We had between 50 and 60 people log on, which was fantastic. Um, But I learned this week that it's going to be too much for me to both host the Zoom call, accept people's entrance into the room, mute appropriately, click on the keynote that's walking us through the text and the announcements, and also speak coherently. So that did not all work this morning, or at least some of it did and some of it didn't. And one of the didn'ts was recording of the sermon. So this is just going to be an abbreviated uh, version of what we worked through on Sunday morning, March 22nd, the second Sunday of COVID-19 at-home gathering. If you're tracking with us in the ministry of the Word, we just don't want you to miss it. So this will catch you up on that. Uh, Unprecedented times. Last week as pastors at Seven Mile, we had to ask, hey, what would we preach through? Where would we want our people to anchor their souls in a season like this? And it's not that we couldn't go anywhere in Scripture and find help. Just would there be some more appropriate places, especially hoping this is a shorter season and we just need a life raft. So we thought, what about Job? Everything's going in one direction and Pam, 180, mega suffering, Maybe it would be good to see how he responded through that. That would have been cool. What about Ecclesiastes? Solomon, who's had the richest of the richest of the richest of lives, realizing it's vanity, it's vapor. And if this world and her comforts and pleasures and securities are all that I've got, I don't have much. But if I fear the Lord and I walk with him, I have something. That would have been good. Maybe we should just rock some psalms of lament. What are those? When life gets thrown upside down, unexpected difficulties, people losing loved ones, dealing with potential loss of jobs. Maybe we should be swimming in some psalms of lament. Or how about we just do the book of Revelation and we see how this thing ends with a new heaven and a new earth and our super bright future and swim in those waters, or maybe we just go Romans 8 and we wrap ourselves in the glory of those truths, what the gospel has secured for us and how nothing, not even a coronavirus, can separate us from the love of God. Stop it. All those would have been great, but what we're actually landed on was, hey, how about this? There is actually a letter in our New Testament, written by one of Jesus' apostles when he was on lockdown. It wasn't quarantined in his home because of a virus. It was Roman prison situation because of preaching the gospel. But his normal rhythms of access to life and work stopped suddenly. What if we went to those words and swam in those words and said, how can they help us know what it would look like to be a gospel-centered people in this time? So that's what we're going to do. As long as coronavirus is disturbing our typical gatherings, we're going to anchor in these words of Scripture together. We told you that when you open this book, and you can listen to it straight through in one shower or one jog, it is going to shock you, because you are expecting the author to be troubled, anxious, pacing, 
freaking out right now. And instead you get content, calm. I'm good because God is with me. Whoa. We said you would be expecting maybe to see some deep sorrow, even maybe depression, sullenness, head down. And instead you get bounding optimism, rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. What? And instead of seeing him be paralyzed, which we know happens in these situations, right? You just go, I can't move right now. I've seen so many people recommending, hey, during the quarantine, you can get all those books done that you hadn't been able to read or this or that. And I've heard people like, you expect me to read a full-blown book during a, a stressful time like this? I can't even concentrate on page one. How am I going to accomplish anything that takes thought and energy? I'm just trying to survive. And we may expect the author to be paralyzed in this lockdown, doing not much at all. But instead, we see him super busy with gospel work. He is evangelizing the guards. He is making plans for his future. And he is writing letters. Whoa. What if our church was content, optimistic, busy with gospel work in this season? Well, that's what Philippians is going to help us get to. All right, I'm just looking at the next few verses. That's all we're doing. And um, the big idea here is that one of the roots of Paul's joy is that he was so glad when he thought about how God had been at work and would continue to be at work in the lives of these Christians. So the third verse of the first chapter says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. If you had a pen and you were going to circle the mood words in there, they would be the words thank and joy. A thankful joy, a joyful thanksgiving. Whoa, he is not just praying, but he's praying with a smile and a pep in his step and a bounce in his heart. Um, I haven't been too much of that around the last seven or eight days. I did drive by one family's house from our church and the kids were out and all four of them were on their bikes, but they were quarantined to their tiny little driveway space in front of their house. So the four of them are going in circles and I beeped my horn and I said, Hey, what are you doing out of the house? And all four kids beamed at me with such joy because they had gotten a reprieve from being inside all day. Paul is still inside. He's not outside on his bike with his helmet doing wheelies. He's still in lockdown, never sure if he's going to get out. And yet he is beaming like that. What is going on? Well, he tells them why. He says, my joy comes because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. All right, feel that? Paul's huge joy that he got from these people was because from the moment he had met them, they were all about the work of the gospel. Partnership here probably means at least three things. One is their believing of the gospel. He showed up in their city of Philippi. There were so few God-fearing people, they didn't even have a synagogue. Like you ever walk around Massachusetts and try and find a fireworks store, you're not going to find it. Or find a White Castle in Melrose, not going to ever happen. Way too unhealthy. 
or an exit in Ikea. <laughs> you could be there for two hours and you're not finding one. This was Paul's experience. He showed up in Philippi. He was looking for the synagogue. He was asking for the synagogue. There was no synagogue anywhere because there wasn't a quorum of even 10 men leading their homes in the fear of the Lord. So he asked around. He got directions to head down to a van by the river, and he found some women doing a Bible study, praying on the Lord's Day, the Sabbath day. And he said, hey, can, can we interrupt? We have some incredible things to share with you about Jesus of Nazareth. And he shared the gospel with them, and they believed it, and others did, and others did, and others did, and it gave him such joy to see the faith with which these Philippians apprehended the gospel. And it wasn't just their believing of the gospel. It was their supporting of the gospel. From that first moment, remember Lydia, she says, hey, you you have to come use my house, my court is my fridge, my living room for the planting of this church. It is made available to you, supporting the gospel. And not just her, but that church constantly giving to Paul to support his missionary work to the point where in this Roman prison, he gets a knock on his cell door and the jailer opens it and says, hey, I got packages for you. Where do you want me to put them? Can I just bring them in? Gifts, food, blankets, parchments from the Philippians. They were dead serious at cost to themselves about supporting the gospel and also embodying the gospel. Later in this letter, he'll mention one of them by name, and he talks about how he risked his life to see to it that the gospel would advance in the Roman Empire at the time. Paul had great, great joy because of seeing the way that these folks were all in on the gospel. Uh, As a church, it would be really good for us to pause just with this verse and ask the question, could these words even be written about us? If somebody was at Seven Mile Road for a year and then they ended up in prison on lockdown or in coronavirus quarantine, would they smile in that space, beam, when they think of their time around you and me. Are our hearts so alive to the gospel, our energies and our monies so invested in the gospel, are, is the way that we do life so shaped by the gospel that others would just smile, crack across their face, hearts warm to think that God does this kind of thing. So I also want to encourage us that this is happening. Um, It's a very awkward thing that we're going to continue with the publication of our first book, What Church Can Be, in the middle of this crisis. We kind of have no choice. It, It launches April 1st, and we want as many people as possible to get exposed to the grace of God that we have received. That's what this book is about. It is about the believing and supporting and embodying of the gospel that I have seen at Seven Mile Road. And it's not only thrilled and helped me have joy, but um, listen to this text that I got from somebody who has read an advanced copy of the book, and I was not looking for endorsement. He just said, hey, I got a trip. Can Can I get my hands on one of these? And I said, yep, here you go. I hope you like it. That was it. He texted me before he got off the plane at the end of the trip, and he said, hey, 
I legit don't have words to tell you how fired up your book has me. It's just what I needed for my soul. I mean that. It's like you jam-packed all I needed to be reminded of and threw it in the pages. I'm very thankful. The Lord has used your story and your words to stir something in my soul that has been missing for some time. I'm 10 chapters through in this last plane ride, and I hated that we landed. That's the spirit of what we're reading in this text of Scripture. Did you hear it in there? I have joy in my soul. I am very thankful because of your churches believing, supporting, embodying the gospel to the degree that a book could be written about it. That's you, and that's awesome. If somebody wrote the story of our lives, would it have this effect on people? Let's live like that. And then the last reason for deep, deep joy is not only that Paul was remembering the way they had lived, but he was really happy because he knew it would continue to be true. This is one of those bumper sticker t-shirt coffee mug verses, and it should be. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I think it would be a good time to let those words wash over us. I am sure of this. It's not so much a prophecy that he's giving as it is he is articulating something that he knows in his gut to be true from his past experience. I am sure of this. Nobody has been saying those words in the last eight days in the United States of America. When's school starting again, Dad? Not sure. Is there going to be a baseball season? Not sure. Will the stock market rebound? Not sure. Is there any milk on the shelves at Market Basket? Not sure. Hey, will I have a job in three months? Not sure. I think the only time I've heard, yes, I'm sure, is the question about hand washing. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. 20 seconds? Yes. There's one thing that Paul is sure about in these verses, though, that God begins the work that God completes the work that he begins in us. Take it to the bank. He never bails on us, quits on us, grows tired of us, gives up on us, pushes the eject button on us, or moves on to something else. If we belong to God and he has begun a work of grace in our lives, he is at work in us all the way down. There's a beautiful sweep of time reference in these verses from the first day to the last day. That last day is the day of Christ. If you have never repented of your sin and received the grace at the cross and made Christ Lord of all that you are, that day is a looming terror. I mean, what righteousness will we bring before God if we don't have the righteousness of Christ? But for those who do have the righteousness of Christ in the gospel by faith, who have repented of their sin, who believe the gospel, Jesus has become Lord of our lives. That last day is a great comfort to us. It will be a day of confirmation, of welcome, of reward. And Paul says that it brings him really deep joy in this prison cell to know that when these Philippians get to that day, they will look over their shoulders 
and they will see that God has been in work at them for his glory and their good from the first day to the last day, the whole course of their lives. And don't miss that he said he and not you. God is the great object of this sentence. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Right now would be a good time for you and I to share that assurance. Even right now, in a difficult stretch, God is completing, maturing his work in us. He is making us holy and readying us for that day. He is bringing us alive to the gospel in new and deeper ways than before. It does not mean that we will not sin. Some of us may sin bad today. It means that the tenor and the trajectory of our lives is God at work in us, growing, maturing, and completing something beautiful in us. And so we should also all be asking ourselves that question, hey, how is God at work in me in these days right now? Is he kicking the legs out under things that I treasure more than him? my portfolio, my accomplishments at work, my security and safety and comfort? Is he stripping us of our selfishness that doesn't want to deal with people by locking us in a house with them day after day? Is he moving us to knock on our neighbor's door and stand six to 10 feet away, but say, hey, I, I'm here for you. How can I love and support you? Whatever it is, be glad in that, that God who began a good work in us the one who called us and has justified us will sanctify and ultimately glorify us. He who began that in us is going to complete that work. It's going to carry all the way through. That's something that we should be sensing and rejoicing in big time together. All right, so those are our verses for this week. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at that day of Jesus Christ.